Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. I've been expecting a notification from the Bureau of Prisons, from the U.S. Marshals, actually. They, they, they were supposed to give me a call. And I don't like this idea of the U.S. Marshals calling me on my cell phone. That is right? also such a strange way to do it. I, yeah, I am it is. so surprised that that's how they notify people on where they will <laughs> it, be held. It's shocking, right? However, that, that is what they do. They do send an official notice of some sort to my attorney and to my probation officer. So presumably they would have let me know. But the U.S. Marshals, surprisingly enough, yes, they just call me on the phone. So anyway, I received a I, – I was told by my supervisory officer to let her know if a week – beforehand came and i still didn't know that was yesterday or the 20th i don't know what day it is yeah yesterday i you know contacted her and said hey you know i still don't i'm supposed to be in prison a week from now and i still don't know where i'm supposed to be going and she said okay well i'll I'll contact the u.s marshals tomorrow and get back to you and she actually did that and they contacted me today and i will be imprisoned in f PC Devons, FMC Devons, sorry, at the satellite camp in Massachusetts. It's about, it's about an hour away from Keene. It is a men's prison. Unsurpri- I mean, I knew this was going to happen, right? I, I'm, I'm actually shocked. I did not think this was going to happen. I did expect it because it's the Bureau of Prisons, right? And, and their whole job, I mean, like what they do for a living is make people miserable. So, yeah. I mean, and the, the best way to, to maximize my misery, of course, is going to be to put me in a men's prison. I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed. And I mean, I say I'm not surprised. I am a little bit surprised because I'm a well-known trans activist. And I, I you know, for six years now, the entire time that I committed these alleged crimes, I was trans. I had transitioned. I've never been in New Hampshire as anything but a trans woman. And despite that, they're putting me in a men's prison. Which, fine, I, I don't really care what your position is about you know, trans people, really, but it means the average trans, per- trans person out there, they are screwed. They don't stand a chance, yeah. right? If they're going to take this, this known activist, relatively well-known, and throw me in a men's prison, then the... I've also heard of them putting trans women in women's facilities, though. They, that, yes. That's not unheard of. What they do, I've heard, and I... You know, we'll never know the metrics they use to make these determinations because it's the government. They do whatever they want to do. I don't think there's, you know, a a formula they use. It's just whatever they feel like doing that day. Well, if they do have a formula, then it's something that isn't published. It's something that they keep to themselves. And, you know, they have no obligation to be clear and let people know what they're doing and why they're doing it. They are the government. So they may have some sort of list that they keep private that they use. I've heard that it comes down to bottom surgery, that if you haven't had oh, bottom surgery, they're, they're going to classify you according to your genitals, which and it's so it's so difficult, right? Because, look, libertarians, I love you, but do not come up to me right now and be like, hey, I've got an idea on how you can beat your case. Dude, I'm going to prison yeah, in, it's too in, late for in that. six days, man. And, and honestly, it wasn't, people just saying that, it's just kind of annoying. It is. And, and even if it wasn't six days away or too late for that, it's like, dude, do, do you really think two and a half years into this, you can offer something that I haven't considered that my attorney, my highly paid, highly qualified attorney who does this for a living hasn't considered? 
when we were when I was talking to a friend of mine about what designation I was going to end up in, what prison I was going to end up in, he said oh, he he Googled some stuff. He's like, oh, don't worry, the Biden administration did a thing. You'll be fine. And this and this is New England. You'll be fine. It was like, dude, none of that has anything to do with any of this. He suggested that I was going to be stationed in Massachusetts. I, I say stationed. I don't know if that's the right terminology or not. But he thought that I was going to be put in Massachusetts, which turned out to be correct, mm-hmm. to be fair. But he expected, oh, and it's Massachusetts. They'll put you in a women's prison. You'll be fine. Like, what the state of Massachusetts wants and does here is irrelevant. This is not state. This is federal. And it doesn't matter what the particular state is and what they want. They're, the federal government is going to abide their policies and not the state policies. And the, their policy is they have some sort of some sort of board, some sort of committee that sits around and that has never met me. They did not freaking talk to me. Knows nothing about of me. Of course they, not. Yeah. And they make their decision based on God knows what criteria, because they certainly haven't told me. And then they just do whatever they want. Well, they passed the First Step Act in 2021, and the goal of that was to streamline the process, to make it not a case-by-case basis. Because prior to the First Step Act, you had to, like, get the warden of the prison to initiate the process of getting you released early. And now, because of the First Step Act, that part is no longer necessary. You can serve some portion of your prison sentence and then the remainder under house arrest or in a halfway house. It's unclear exactly what those limits are, but you do get 56 days out of a year for good behavior, but it's not prorated. So I'm spending 18 months in there. I only get one year's of credit of good behavior. So 56 days, I think, is what it comes out to. I don't remember the exact number now, but not 18 months of good behavior, just 12 because they don't you know, prorate the extra year. So I don't know. Could be anywhere from six to nine months to 18 months, right? I'm going to be in the Bureau of Prisons custody and they're going to do they're going to do whatever they want. Yeah. And the not knowing is part of the torture process. It is. But, you know, they they've given me an answer now. So I have at least one. And now I know, you know, 18 months from now ish, I will be released and I will be free. But then then there's a year of supervised release waiting for me, which thankfully I have the least amount of supervised release of all of the people sentenced so far. How, I mean, I also have the longest prison sentence of all the people sentenced so far. I had the only prison sentence of those sentenced in the, the Crypto 6 case. However, I do have only a year of supervised release. So in theory, I will be able to have house arrest because, you know, I have a house. I have two cats. I have a dog. I have a full-time job. I wouldn't have been in prison that long, not nearly long enough to be institutionalized. I suspect... House arrest will make more sense for me than uh, the the halfway house, but they're going to do what they want, and most people end up in a halfway house, which would suck, right? Being in the halfway house in Manchester or whatever, so close to home, but not allowed to be home. Yeah, and it, it just feels like there's no reason for you to be in a halfway house. Right. The part of the I mean, ha- there's really no reason for you to be going to prison. Sure. But the point of the halfway house is to help people retransition back into society, right? Yeah, to after them, six months, nine months, 18 months, I don't think. Yeah, to help them find a job, to find an apartment and all of that stuff. It's like, hey, I already have a house. I already have a full-time job waiting on me to get back. To- I have two full-time jobs waiting on me to get back to them. Like, none of that crap is necessary in my case. And I have two cats and a dog. I think house arrest makes... And I had, I had given up hope that they would actually give me house arrest instead of um, the halfway house because why would why would they be nice to me 
But the fact that they're putting me in Devons, which is actually near to Keene, suggests to me that maybe, maybe they are a little bit less evil and malicious than I expected. Now, I say this about the Bureau of Prisons. I don't know anything about the actual guards that are going to be overseeing me, but the Bureau of Prisons as a whole, as an institution, the people who made these decisions, as I understand them, they are bureaucratic tyrants who like making people miserable. And that's what they do best. And that was why I assumed, again, they were going to put me in a men's facility because they like making people miserable. And this is the, the best way for them to do that. But it makes me feel bad for all of the trans people out there who aren't well-known activists because they're screwed, right? Like that, I, I was sure that if they were going to put me in a women's facility, it, it would all be to thank for the fact for my activism here and the fact that you know, I've made national headlines running for public offices and stuff. Like the Bureau of Prisons, they know who I am. Mm-hmm. And attorneys have attorney, my attorney and attorney friends have already warned me that I'm going to be screwed with a lot while in their custody solely for that reason. I'm what they called high profile. I was like, I think you're exaggerating the, my significance here. So I didn't buy it. But after several attorneys like, yeah, this is, this is what it's going to be like. And it's going to suck. So maybe they'll withhold mail, withhold phone calls, put me in solitary arbitrarily. Who knows, right? But they, they will be meaner to me, I'm told, than they are the average person. It, it feels like to me like they're trying. You're to way too anything. far away from the mic. It's not picking up anything. No, it's okay. I was just. Rip- <laughs> I was gonna say. Um, I do. You, I feel like a, you're. Ma- they're making an example out of you. It, I would hope not. I mean, they're they're gonna make the example out of like Ian, right? Uh, absolutely. But but I mean, as far as I don't know in what way they would be making an example. I mean, there's plenty of trans people like already in prison that they're going to be screwing with and putting in whatever facilities they want. I think if they wanted to make an example of me, the judge would have given me the full 37 months that the prosecutors were asking for. I mean, I, they, they asked for the maximum sentence in my case. Are you guys serious? Because I, I sold Bitcoin and you want to give me the maximum prison sentence? Absolutely insane. But that's what they did. They, the maximum sentence in my case, for those who weren't following that closely, was 37 months. 30 to 37 months was the sentencing guidelines. So the floor, 30 months. The ceiling, 37 months. That's that's not much of a, a window there for the for the judge to play with. However, I got sentenced under the guidelines to just 18 months in prison instead of 30. And again, the prosecutors for the for the one trans person in the crypto six who had been sentenced were asking for the maximum sentence. I'm not saying they were transphobic, but the only person they said should get the maximum sentence was the trans person being sentenced. Yeah, it so, makes you wonder and the high profile. Nikki, you have a story that we've been wanting to talk about for a, a few weeks now about a Grateful Dead drag show, sort of. And so this story is like a, 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 a wonderful nexus of different things, I believe. Of course, we are putting on a, I want to call it a drag show, but there aren't going to be any drag queens here. We tried, right? I, I, I really did. The White Mountains uh, Pride organization had a drag event canceled here in Lancaster a few weeks ago. And to their credit, the drag queens involved did not want to cancel the show. They wanted to proceed despite the threats from conservatives. And it just didn't... So the drag event in Lancaster was canceled, regrettably, and they wanted to proceed with it. But the library, the public library, was like, no, these threats of violence, we're going to let them be successful. And we're going to let these people who threaten violence get exactly what they wanted by canceling this show, even though the performers are still willing to proceed with it. And that, to me, is cowardice. The, the moment someone threatens violence is, one, it's, 
clearly the moment where they don't have any other arguments in their favor. Uh, like violence is the quote argument of last resort. If you have a rational, logical, good argument to put forward against something, then do that. But when you run out of good, those arguments, that's when people tend to resort to violence. Yep, absolutely. I, I'm of the opinion that we should never reward threats of violence by giving people what they want, right? That's just giving in to terrorism. That's letting them have their way. And that's exactly what these conservatives who made threats against the, they threatened the public library where, where a, a child's event at a public library, these people threatened violence. What the hell is the matter with you? There are kids here, man. Like, however bad you think drag queens are, let me tell you, violence is freaking worse. Absolutely. Right. That's, that's traumatization right there. And you would think that they would have, I mean, if all of that they're doing is for the kids, because that's the argument they love putting forward so much, that exposing children to violence would not be among the things they were interested in doing. But throughout the United States, we've been... We've been you, the Americans have been fighting about this drag thing for years. And Drag Queen Story Hour was how it all began probably a decade ago. And I don't understand why a drag queen wants to put on a show for kids. I, gotta, I, I don't understand. What, what do you get out of that other than exposing children to, to ideas that they otherwise may not have here until they're older? Or maybe they're in conservative areas and they need to learn that other people live lifestyles. I don't know. I mean, as long as it's age appropriate, because we all know right. some drag shows can kind of get dirty and raunchy and drag queens are infamous for their dirty jokes, which is fine for adults. But I think as long as the event is, you know, appropriate, age appropriate, um, it could be a, a fun thing. Yeah. And I don't, I wanted to do that here at, at, at Rogers Campground uh, tomorrow at three o'clock PM. We are doing a tranny story hour because we don't have a drag queen, but we do have a tranny. And so I'm going to do that, but I freaking hate kids, man. Right. And I, I don't want to be around kids, but Maj threatened violence and Bonnie over there was like, Oh, well, we're going to put on a drag show. So screw you. And you know, here I am going, well, all right, guess what? Guess I'm doing a drag show then. Because I'm not going to let the threat of violence win. And that's ultimately... I mean, we weren't going to have a drag show anyway, but this, the LGBT flag hanging right there, that's pushback against this rise of conservatism. I didn't have a flag here last year or the year before, or the, even the year before that. This is the first year I've ever bothered to fly one. There are several around here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival, though, more so than there were last year. And I suspect, as with me, they're, they're just flying it as pushback against conservatives and this... This hostile takeover from conservatives trying to claim libertarianism as their own because the, the conservative brand has been damaged so badly by MAGA types and by Trump that they refuse to call themselves conservative anymore. They want to call themselves anything else to, or it's to distinguish themselves from the mainstream Republicans like Ted Cruz and Kasich and these others. So they, they want to call themselves libertarians. They're different. They're not just your average conservative, but they are. And I ran into this like a few days ago on Twitter. Someone commented something I said, and she said, I'm not a conservative, though. And I looked on her profile, like the very first thing was uh, about how evil abortion is. And she calls herself a, a mother by grace. So she's hardcore Christian as well. So who are Christian, pro-life, and anti-trans lady. 
if, if it looks like a duck and it smells, sounds like a duck, then, you know, I, I then do, you're a conservative, right? <laughs> and she's absolutely a conservative, but she doesn't want to call herself that because the conservative brand has been damaged so badly. So they think they can just come in and take over the libertarian brand and I'm not going to let them do it. If they're going to call themselves libertarians, Hey, guess what guys, that label, it gets, it applies to me too. Say, you're right. Come here, buddy. Let me give you a hug. This is my friend here. We're libertarians. They can take that crap back to Freedom Fest, as far as I'm concerned. I was scrolling through Instagram one day, just looking for Grateful Dead art, because that's uh, just something I like to do. And I stumbled... Well, they do have a cool style of art. Yeah. And uh, I stumbled upon a account called Grateful Drag. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. So I ended up looking through their, their, um, their site, and I found a Rolling Stone article about them, which is so cool, because they're starting to really um, get press. Um, so I'll, I'll get into the article here. So this is an article from the Rolling Stone. A Grateful Dead tribute band in drag raises money for trans youth in Tennessee. Oh, that's right. You had, you had told me about this previously where they, they don't raise money for themselves. Mm-hmm. All of the money that they get that per, from performing, they may pay them their own expenses and stuff. I don't know. But the, the actual money, the bulk of it, goes to trans awareness organizations and things to help trans youth. Yep. You know, to actually help kids mm-hmm. instead of sheltering them while ruining their lives. That's awesome. So when Melody Walker and her friend Caitlin Doyle first envisioned the Grateful Dead tribute band Bertha, Tennessee's legislature hadn't yet introduced legislation limiting drag performance. Wait, you said Caitlin something? Um, Caitlin Doyle is her name. So this is so, a female that so, is also a drag queen? Because I didn't know yes, about this so happening it, until actually, recently. It's actually cool. So um, I, I would say half the members are men in drag, and then half the members are females in drag. So their two lead singers are both females, and then some of, I think, the bassist and the guitar player are um, are both men in drag. And that raises so many more issues for the conservative, right? Like, you, okay, so you have an issue with people in drag, right? Okay. What about women in drag? And they assume at this point that you mean like, oh, quote, woman asterisk in drag, like a trans woman in yeah. drag, like Arya in drag. But no, we mean like drag one of the, king. yeah, what, no, not even drag kings because a drag king is a different thing where they, they uh, caricature the things that are male. They wear suits and have fake mustaches yeah. and but, stuff. And that's a different girl, thing. So these oh. girls just have really flamboyant makeup on. Yeah. They're wearing sequins and they're just kind of dressed how, you know, uh, a male would dress in drag, but right. they're women. And, and I was one looking of the at, dr- okay. go ahead. So I was looking at these pictures and I'm like trying to figure out I'm like so those they pass really well and then I you know noticed that they were actually women. So but you almost can't tell who's a woman and who's not in the band. Which is nice. One of the performers that was going to be at the Lancaster Public Library was a was a woman and a female drag queen. And this that was when I became aware that this was even a thing cuz I thought I, I don't know. I guess I just assumed that they were all male drag yeah. queens, but that clearly that's not the case. So good on these people for that. Mm-hmm. So the national. I guess in that case, so are they really drag queens, or are they just like? I mean, if they're drag queens, then D. Snyder of Twisted Sister is a drag queen, right? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, he looks the part <laughs> when he's on stage. <laughs> So the Nashville musicians were just daydreaming about an all-woman dead tribute band, but soon landed on the idea of doing it in drag. This is a quote from Walker. I was like, it would still be an all-woman band if everyone was in drag. It was a joke, and I was like, wait, but how hilarious and amazing would it be? We were all cracking up 
at the idea of how joyful and irreverent that would be and how in the spirit of the Grateful Dead it would be. And thus, Bertha, named after the Grateful Dead song with the name stylized in all caps as Bertha, came to be. Would that be in the style of the Grateful Dead, though? Because as I said, I don't really know much about them. So I'm just taking The Grateful Dead really isn't... I mean, there's not really any drag going on in the Grateful Dead, but it is very hippie-like, you know, like... Free love, you know, yeah. just very positive. Very tolerant. And very, yeah, a lot of tolerance there. I mean, like, those are the true hippies who they don't care what you're doing as long as you're not hurting other people, which is kind of also in the style of libertarianism and, you know, anarchists. It would be nice if people would stick to that maximum. Just don't hurt people and don't take their stuff. Yeah, it's pretty simple. So Walker, the singer for the progressive bluegrass band Front Country. Hold on, progressive because I again okay, <laughs> right. I'm from Mississippi and I I remember when the the movie Oh Brother Where Art Thou came from and that was when everyone I knew began listening to bluegrass. Obviously, bluegrass had existed prior to that, but it mm-hmm. wasn't popular. And that that movie, as far as I could tell, especially in Mississippi repopularized bluegrass which is historically from like the mountains of tennessee and the kentucky area the appalachian areas not so much in mississippi but it was uh, progressive i mean it it was as conservative as music could possibly get right the only more conservative music would have been freaking gospel it's not really like that anymore i go to a lot of jam band slash bluegrass festivals and it is kind of um i i would say it's pretty progressive these days because the grateful dead is lightly based in bluegrass the grateful dead is not really bluegrass but they do have bluegrass roots um and the grateful dead before they were the grateful dead kind of some of the members were previously in bluegrass bands in the 60s in california so it kind of has turned more progressive and less conservative. And that, so it's not super like, because bluegrass, it's not country, but it can kind of give those country vibes with the banjo and whatnot. Well, it depends on what one means by country, right? Because the, the old school country, the, the blue, not the bluegrass country, but from the same region, they, they, were, they were writing songs about shooting cops and oh, running yeah. from the cops. and Very anti-state. Azria here, my dog, who someone, some libertarian, some well-meaning libertarian walked through and he had found a squeaker ball and he gave it to her. Now, she doesn't have any squeaker toys that I gave her. And why is that? Well, it's because I, I used to buy her these because I love her. More than I hate myself, right? So if, if she wants, if she wants this squeaker toy, I'm gonna give it to her usually. And they have these at Walmart. They're like four dollars, and it's just this rubber squeaky toy that's bacon flavored. Oh, that's fun. They are her favorite thing yeah. in the universe. But she will sit in front of me when I would sit on my couch and try to play the new Zelda game or something. She would just sit in front of me chewing it and squeaking it right in front of my face for hours at a time. It's like the same reason why you don't buy your three-year-old a drum set or like a keyboard or something. It's just annoying. But with the squeaker, (laughs) for whatever reason, dogs who have super sensitive hearing, they get off on the squeaking. Like they like it. It, They they love it. It's the best thing ever. Well, it sounds like prey, right? Isn't that the... Is that why? I think that's the logic behind it. Is it kind of sounds like prey... I, that's what I would assume, and I think I've heard that before. But she wouldn't don't know quote what to do it. with prey. Right? I, the poor thing is, she saw a bug, and she she would just try to be its friend. She she's so sweet and and innocent in that regard. That's that's why she gets along so well with my cats because she was you know eight weeks old when she met my cats, and my cats were just barely 
smaller than her then and, and they laid down the law immediately <laughs> and she she wants to be friends with them so badly mikey and olivia's cat is staying with me in the hotel room here and that's patches by the way he's an absolutely gorgeous cat and they don't want to leave him alone alone at home and i'm bringing my cats anyway and you know patches live with me for a year and a half so yeah absolutely bring him i'll take him he's used to my cats patches loves this cat and he loves her and they, they are so cute together and the way they play is you know she likes putting her mouth on things as as one does and patches is a cat so he likes batting and he will play with i have pictures of patches just sinking his claws into her eyeball and she's just smiling and wagging her tail and stuff because she doesn't know how to she learned how to play from cats so when you play with her and she raised her hand and tried to smack you like that's why she's when she was eight weeks old she was learning the ropes from cats and they they taught her well because she's super nice to cats, but in general she is a golden retriever, so she's nice to everything. Right? Yeah. Like there there are rabbits that lived in my backyard, and I wish I could con- convey to the rabbits that she wouldn't hurt them because she wouldn't. Oh, she wants to play, and they're scared of her. Yeah, she just wants to be their friend, right? That that's her world, and it's a it's a beautiful world that she lives in. We as people should strive to be more like her. There are no enemies. Everyone is a friend. And everything is playing. Yeah. And that, that's, that's beautiful. I've learned that from her, that everyone is a friend. Yep. If all people had golden retriever brains, the world would be a better place. We would have achieved world peace. I, there would yeah. be no war. No. And I was amazed to learn that about three people a year are killed by golden retrievers in the United States. About three people. What the hell do you have to do to a golden retriever to get it to attack you? I could beat her with a two-by-four. I would never do this, obviously. Of course not. But I could beat her with a two-by-four, and she would not bite me. And I'm sad even thinking about someone abusing her like that, because I love her to death. But Mm. the point is that I know Golden Retrievers fairly well, especially at this point, and she doesn't have a malicious or bitter or vicious bone in her body. She, She just loves people, and she loves everything. So, golden retrievers killing three people a year, very, very odd. I, I don't know how one goes about making that happen. Almost everything I've ever bought, every piece of equipment or music equipment or t- audio video equipment had some sort of rebate. Get $10 off or $20 back or whatever. If you fill out this card and mail it in, I've done exactly zero of those. And I don't see myself doing them anytime soon because it's just a hassle. I didn't even want to do the the Nelson family thing. Well, I got in the mail. I'm a, I'm a Nelson household, apparently. Nielsen, which uh, they survey you to find out what you're watching, what you're listening to. Oh, I didn't know this. So obviously, I heavily promoted Free Talk Live. I, I listen to Free Talk Live and only Free Talk Live. And then, then I watch the video shows of Free Talk Live. I did that. And then they sent me another one accidentally. And so I gave it to Bonnie, who presumably did the same thing. Yeah. So... That that result is going to be a bit skewed, but I don't watch a lot of television or crap anyway, so what, what the hell else would I pick? But I do love music, and I've never been a particularly big fan of the Beatles. Mm-hmm. I, between the Beatles, I, I consider the Rolling Stones to be sort of an anti-Beatles, and I've, I've never understood what the appeal was the of British the Beatles. The British invasion, you know? Yeah, but I, never, I don't understand the appeal of the Beatles. The, so... <laughs> 
Well, I mean, the music is not, the lyrics are stupid more often than not so and pointless. The Beatles are interesting because, so the Beatles was my first favorite band when I was like four or five years old. Um, and I do, I, I really enjoy the Beatles. Okay, so, so I'm talking to what, someone who knows. Yeah. Okay, great. So what's interesting about the Beatles is throughout the years, they changed and evolved a lot, kind of based on what drugs they were doing at the time. Okay. Um, but they started off as doing a lot of covers, like a lot of bands in the early 60s did. You know, heavy on the covers, um, love songs, ballads, stuff like that. Uh, and then they kind of evolved into doing, you know, more original music, things that were a little bit more musically advanced. And then once they started doing LSD and they visited India, then, um, you know, George Harrison got a sitar, um, and they kind of got a little bit more spiritual in their lyrics, but over the the eras of the Beatles, their music has changed drastically. So album to album, you will almost have a completely different genre of music. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people just know like the Beatles' greatest hits. Uh, but for some reason, I don't know, it, it started when I was really, really young, like literally four years old. I was just like, I love the Beatles. Anytime, you know, a, a song would be playing on the radio, I would ask my dad, is this the Beatles? And he's like, no, this is, you know, Steve Miller Band or something. But I was just really obsessed with them for whatever reason. And then as I got older, started collecting vinyls, started getting more serious about I always listening. that you collect those. Yeah, yeah. About like once I started getting more serious about studying music and, you know, like collecting vinyls, whatever. Um, I started to to get more into the just the, the differences in the Beatles over the years. So it's, it's an interesting band, and of course, it's you know I, they were huge. They were a huge band, the type of band that women would go to their concerts and they would faint, and they were just so outrageously famous in the sixties. Um, and Similar they kind to of like Taylor Swift today. Yeah, almost. Except, yeah. It, you could kind of compare it to that. I don't think they were like ripping people off on concert tickets like Taylor Swift. <laughs> and of course, that has a lot to do with Ticketmaster and, you know, those the right, websites that are charging ridiculous fees. Yeah, but she um, came out criticizing Ticketmaster. And good. She, Everybody should criticize right. Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster sucks. And she wanted to, she wanted to make sure that they could handle the demand and all of this other crap that she said because she's Taylor Swift. She's the most successful musician in the world right now. She wanted to make sure they could handle it. They're like, yeah, we got it is fine and then they couldn't mm-hmm. handle it and of course the ticket price is thousands i have a friend who yeah. spent six thousand dollars to see her in boston what the hell is the matter with you i would if pay I six thousand dollars to never hear taylor swift ever again i don't hate her music that much but if <laughs> that I was pay, me being dramatic sure. but but if i pay six thousand dollars from taylor swift i better get some benefits in the back alley you know yeah you right know, it better come, it, <laughs> does this concert come with a happy ending i mean it, six grand it freaking better Hey, Daily Digest listeners, this is Riley Blake. I enjoy Free Talk Live, and I know you do too, but finding time to listen to an entire episode isn't always easy, so I produce the Daily Digest. I appreciate those of you who have supported me on Patreon and sent Bitcoin to me to thank me for producing these digests. For those who wish to support me on Patreon, visit patreon.com slash crblake86. If you wish to send Bitcoin... Visit patreon.com slash crblake86 for those details. That's patreon.com slash crblake86. Thank you. I mean, it's always been the case that there were events taking place everywhere, right? That, that's not new. There have always been random campsites. And of course, the Free Talk Live site has been here for 20 years. Or I don't know exactly when our first Fork Fest, Procure Freedom Festival was, but 
been here for a very long time, and people are always doing various things. But now, they can actually have their events on the actual Porkfest schedule. Yeah, and they have the different hubs too, so you can register your site as a hub with you know the pork the yeah the the Porcupine Freedom Festival website. Um, so people will know where to go for different events. So yeah, I like that evolution. It's great. I do too. The only criticism I have of it is that it's there's no filtering and search options available yes. on the schedule. Yeah, like, I would love to see just the pavilion or get get the option to turn venues on and off. So and also someone uh, made their own. They basically took the Pork Fest schedule from the Pork Fest website and made their own calendar of it. So there are like different variations of the calendar floating around there, which is like such a libertarian thing to do to be like, yeah. well, you didn't really do a great job. So I'm going to just do my own thing and do it better. I so, just realized something. Uh, the libertarians out there organizing this thing like Dennis Pratt and Constance, what you guys need to do is you need to go to a rock music festival, something like incarceration or louder than life, a, a multi-day music festival with multiple stages and you need to ba- pay very close attention to their schedule yeah. and their maps and how they do it. Yeah, because music festivals are typically very good at that. They'll have, you know, the different stages and then it's so much easier to read than the Porkfest schedule. Or they could just hire a nerd to make a better calendar for the Porkfest. I mean, it's really not that hard. No, it's not. And I, I mean, all, you know, Dennis does great work, but I do suspect he did this himself. And one person... Can't be the best at everything. So hiring someone to have done this or getting a volunteer to do it would have been fantastic. But I think it's just a matter of not knowing that it was really necessary in this particular case. And I think that going to a music festival, because I still have the incarceration app installed on my phone. And I think I still have the Louder Than Life app installed on my phone. And it is night and day being able to monitor these festivals versus being able to monitor the schedule at the Porcupine Freedom Festival. I can filter by venue, by stage, yeah. by time, by day, and all of these other things. I just can't do it. That's just that's a tiny criticism. Yeah. And the Porcupine Freedom Festival is still fantastic. There's also a lot more events going on at Porkfest than there would be at a music festival since that's it's true. so decentralized. And you can pretty much, anyone can host their own event and get it onto the Porkfest schedule. Um, and there's so many different hubs, a lot more so than your typical music festival. So it does, that schedule does get crowded and you'll be scrolling down it and there will be, you know, 10 different events scheduled for noon. So, just for example. Right. And what I like about it is that the Porcupine Freedom Festival doesn't put, like, its official speakers and events above or greater than... Yeah, it's all together. Yeah. And I I would sort of expect that, like, ones at the pavilion would be bolded or italicized or something. In fact, that would probably be useful. But they they didn't do that. They just It's all equal and it's right there on the schedule. And honestly, good luck trying to find whatever it is that you're looking for. Like, I wanted to see what was happening today and after about three minutes of it i was like yeah no i'm not this is a lot of scrolling like honestly the odds of me wanting to go see see this random thing there's no ability to filter by interests either and i realized that that's a taller order than being able to turn venues on and off but yeah some basic tags from people okay i'm not interested in raising children turn children off right and that would remove those venues from or those events from my list yeah just just thinking out loud here. You know, none of this is necessary. The event, absolutely beautiful. You got to come check it out. I've had two surgeries. I had forehead um, contouring and brow lift surgery, and I had vocal surgery and a trachea shaving. And 
I, I was not informed that I could. My voice now is significantly weaker than it has ever been. And I have to turn myself up significantly higher than ever before in order to be heard. And there's just something off about my voice. And it is higher pitched. And it's not clear until I go back through and I listen to some episodes of the show from like four or five years ago prior to the surgery, just how much has changed. But like Ian's like, I don't hear a difference at all. If, it's, if you go back and directly compare, there's a huge difference. But I wasn't warned that um, I could be raspy for the rest of my life, which is an ongoing issue. We've learned that that's due to acid reflux, believe it or not. Oh. And these these surgeons suggested I start taking omeprazole, some, something like Omeprazole. That. Yes, that's it. Thank you. For acid reflux, and I was like, well, I don't have acid reflux, but most of the people in my family do. So I started taking it, and I've noticed very quickly that, sure enough, if I take it every single day, once in the morning and then once in the evening, as I'm supposed to, my voice doesn't usually get that scratchy quality to it. So, he But would, then you have to take a medication that right. you wouldn't have otherwise needed. Well, I did otherwise need it. I, the, okay. the raspiness had been an issue through all of my life. I just thought it was from smoking, right? Mm-hmm. But no, it was ultimately from acid reflux. Okay. okay. I did not know I had that. However, the, the Adam's apple reduction... I'm not at all happy with it, and I, I'm not. I, I feel like my Adam's apple is more prominent now than it was prior to the surgery, and he insists that no, they they did a full removal because sometimes they can fully remove it, and sometimes they can't. He insists that they did a full removal, and what's prominent here isn't it's the larynx, not an Adam's apple, and. Then he made the argument that, well, you know, there's this doctor in California that's actually doing research right now that shows and having a prominent Adam's apple is actually more feminine. I'm like, dude, I don't need you to gaslight me about femininity and Adam's apples here. Just, Just say... I didn't get the result that I wanted, and you didn't tell me that what we were looking at. I'm like, like dude, you, you should have warned me, like, hey, look, what you're wanting removed there, that's not your Adam's apple. That's your, that's your trachea. We can't take that out. Or Yeah, you would think a good surgeon would do that. And I have some friends who go to get Botox and just, like, uh, non-surgical cosmetic procedures, yeah. basically. And her... The woman that does it for her is very honest with them. If they say, oh, I want to get this done, and she doesn't think that they will get the results she wants, or if it's just not possible to get the result that they want, she, this woman that is, um, I don't know what she would be called, you know, practitioner, whatever, she is very honest with them. She's like, I'm not going to do it because you either don't need that or um, it's not going to do what you think it's going to do. So I would think a good um, surgeon would be honest about those things and say hey i'm not just going to take your money um and maybe have more of a conversation about it and get deeper into those things and you know speak with clients about what they really want what end results they really want from these procedures not just like oh okay i'm gonna take your money and you know do what i think you want done that is how i feel this went down especially with the most recent one the the brow lift and forehead uh, contouring thing i'm Super happy with the the physical look at the results. Like, yes, it did exactly what I expected to do. It made my forehead more feminine. Great. However, I've got two bumps here, one here and one here that are pretty much exactly where demon's horns would be, interestingly enough, that were not there previously. And my hair got cut in the process. He cut off half of the length of my hair. My hair used to be down yeah. down here. And I didn't get I didn't get that cut off, right? But prior to the surgery, my hair was normal length. And then the next time I was on Free Talk Live afterward, my hair was way the hell up here. 
And he denies having done that. And he denies a few other things in regard to the surgery, just just minor little issues like these bumps. I'm like, dude, you, you should make these bumps go away, right? Plus, I shouldn't have had to spend weeks in agonizing pain with a monstrous headache as a result of this. You never told me that my forehead would you, would feel like this after the fact. Like, I'm six months. No, wait. I'm almost a year past at this point. And my, my head is still not 100% right. It's not the same. And I wasn't told any of this would be the case or any of this even could happen. But the vocal surgery is the biggest issue because he just... When the last time I I got a year thing is like, hey, it's been a year since your surgery is an automatically generated email. So I responded back saying, yeah, I, I'm not a litigious person and I'm not a complaint. I'm not a Karen. So I was never going to bring this up, but you guys asked. So no, I'm not happy with the results. So I complained about my voice and how it didn't seem to be any different, how it was scratchy and raspy. And uh, there was some other issue that I outlined with them, and I don't remember exactly what it was. And it's really not worth getting into all of it. It's just I would not have brought it up otherwise if they hadn't brought it up. It was just, I was never truly informed about what the consequences would be. And their suggestion was, oh, well, yeah, yeah. here's a number for a speech therapist. And, you know, work with this speech therapist for six months. Or, you know, Are you going to pay for this? Or am I supposed to pay for this? Cause yeah, I because paid, it wasn't right. an issue before, right? <laughs> right. And if I wanted to do a year of speech therapy and vocal training, then I wouldn't have gotten the surgery. The whole point of the surgery was to feminize my voice so I wouldn't have to continually pay attention around the clock to my tone, my inflection, and my pitch. I love this theory, this hypothesis that the animals of Earth will be our judges when we die. Now, I don't believe this to be true, but I like the idea of it. Like, right, I'm, I'm tried after my death. My soul is put on trial. And it's all of the insects and birds and cats and dogs that I've interacted with throughout my entire life who determine whether or not I was a good soul or a bad soul. And I do think that is a good way to judge character because it's a lot easier to be nicer to humans and to respect humans and to not kill them or hurt them than it is animals. It's and culturally, you know, you, you see a mosquito, you kill it. You see a fly, you kill it. Um, and I think the way people treat animals says a lot about them. I agree entirely. It says a lot about a person, how they treat things that are inferior to them. Yep. And I don't like the phrase inferior because I don't actually believe that humans are superior to any other non-human yep. animal. But I don't think so. Uh, people understand what I mean when I say that, though, right? And yeah, that, smaller, weaker. Right. How you treat your equals and your bosses at work means nothing to me. How you treat your, your underlings, your employees, the people under you, that's where that's where I think your character really stands. And if and if you're mean to them, if you're hostile to them, I'm going to assume that you're just a bad person because you're mean to people when you can afford to be mean to people, when there's no consequence for it, such as with the bug. There's no consequence for killing the bug that came through here. There was also nothing to gain from it. But now that bug continues to be alive and it can go about and it can do whatever it was that the bug was going to do. Well, and a lot of people kill bugs out of fear. To be fair, I, I'm not an insectologist. I don't even I don't I know there's a word for it, but I don't know what it is, and I don't know which ones are going to bite and which ones are going to sting. Yeah. But and and he was in my personal space, 
Right, he is trespassing. He violated the nap here. Like this is private property, sir. But he property, didn't hurt sir. you, and he just flew away. Yeah, he did, but he was trespassing. Right, and it's like, sir, this is private property, and I don't think uh, <laughs> insects and animals are usually well versed on the concepts of private property or like b- borders and things like that. Fair point. It's important to be forgiving. Like last year, bizarrely, my house got infested with spiders. On the outside, there are no spiders inside my house because my cats would kill them and eat them because they, they have some, there's some sort of noise that spiders make. Really? I didn't my, know this. I, I'm assuming so that my cats hear because they can hear one coming from several rooms. Or away. maybe they can smell them. Maybe. I don't know how they're finding out about it, but I know there have been a few times where not often because this is New Hampshire and there aren't a lot of spiders yeah. here, but I would just be laying in bed and both of my cats would just turn and stare at the wall. And I'm like, all right, good. The house is haunted. Great. And then they go and they just stare at the wall. And then they start climbing up and smacking. And I get up and I look and it's just some tiny little spiders. Like, How did you guys hear that or see that or whatever? It's insane. So they're identifying spiders and they're going and killing them. And I love that. But they became infested outside of my house. Like one spider egg hatched. And if you've never seen this, hundreds yeah, it's of horrifying. spiders can come from one. And I like spiders, but it really? is like really, it's, it's not pleasant. Well, I did not see these hatch, but I'm assuming that was what happened because one day there were none. And then the next time I looked, there were dozens of spiders hanging around my front yard, around the lights, around the front door. I'm like, guys, I got to get past you here. And this is not okay. You, you can't stay here. So I would get the water hose and I would spray them down. And it took a few minutes because they, you know, they, they are evolutionarily designed to be resistant to rain. It, it would be useless for a spider to constantly have its home destroyed by rain. So you, you got to spray them for a few minutes with a water hose to get rid of them. But there were dozens of them. I sprayed them down. And then the next night they would be right there again. And this happened for weeks before they finally stopped doing it. And I don't know if I just accidentally drowned them all or if they finally figured it out. I don't know if they got the hint. But it was, I didn't object to them being there. That's useful. You want to have your spider web around these lights and kill the mosquitoes that will otherwise try to get in as I go in? Absolutely. Good luck, dude. I wish you the best. But me walking through your web and getting in my hair when I get home? No, that's, sorry. Sorry. Can't can't coexist at that point. Otherwise, totally welcome to continue coexisting with the bugs here. And that's what happens here at the Porcupine Freedom Festival when a random bug walks by you and I give an eight-minute speech about my philosophy on the afterlife and insects and why we should be kind to one another. Last year on Bonnie's birthday, we all went out to dinner and I believe it was Ian who tried to tip the... It was either Ian or Matt, but someone tried to tip the, the waitress with goldbacks. Fantastic. And he, you know, he explained it. This is real gold. You know, it's valuable. So, and to be fair, people, when you do this, you also want to include a cash tip. And, yeah, and of course. I have no so it's exactly. Did. So it's on top of the cash tip because some people, you know, it's still nice to leave 15, 20% cash and then maybe a few gold backs just so people can see it and have them and hold them and see how beautiful they are, whatever, or silver, whatever precious metal you want to give. Maybe even a crypto, you know, some f- form of alternate payment just so people get used to it right yeah absolutely um and it was almost like and this was a young woman she was definitely under 30 and when she looked at it he even explained it to her and it was like her brain short-circuited at the fact that somebody was trying to give her something of value that wasn't a usd it was like she couldn't even compute it and she he asked her do you want this and she said no 
And she almost looked scared. It was like, oh, like, what do you, is this a trick? Like, what are you trying to give me? And we couldn't believe it because obviously, you know, everybody at Bonnie's birthday party or a birthday dinner rather loves gold and silver and crypto and any form of like alternate form of payment. We prefer that over dirty fiat. But this, this young woman couldn't even, she couldn't even understand what was happening. And it was, it was just such a strange experience because typically, you know, even if we, you know, try to give a wait staff that's maybe in their fifties or sixties, they immediately know, yes, gold is better than USD and they want to accept it. So they, they're, Typically, like older folks are very, very excited and happy to receive a gold back. They think it's so cool. But it seems like the younger generation is losing the knowledge about precious metals. And it's just, it, it was a really interesting experience. One of the things that I really hate that we as the Libertarians in Keene let lapse was crypto tip. Dot org. I think it was dot org. It was something See, I haven't even heard about that. It was fantastic. It was a project that Michael Hampton orchestrated. He was the one who programmed it. He made it all happen. Michael Hampton wizard when it comes to technology. And I say that as a technology person, right? He, he was above and beyond almost anyone I've ever met. And he could do things quickly and efficiently. Absolutely amazing. Rest in peace, Michael. He created CryptoTip.org where you could send cryptocurrency to a wallet that it would assign you and then you could print off like paper tips like if you sent one bitcoin cash and you say i want 30 tips for bitcoin cash it would divide that into 30 chunks and it would print out 30 little tickets with a qr code on it that people could scan you could give it off as a tip at a restaurant then the waiter could scan that qr code and claim that cryptocurrency and it would go directly to their wallet and you could set a timer when you added this cryptocurrency to create these steps, like 30 days. So if at 30 days from now, any currency that hasn't been claimed would automatically be returned to you. And that's the critical thing, because even if CryptoTip.org still existed, I wouldn't recommend it because Michael Hampton is, is dead. But even if it still existed, in theory, it would return your cryptocurrency to you. You'd specify how long you want it to last, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, a year. And if it wasn't claimed, it would come right back to you. And that was an amazing that was amazing tool for getting people to adopt cryptocurrency because you could tip cash and you could tip a cryptocurrency QR code. And if they scanned it, great. You knew they got your crypto. And yeah. if they didn't, then you would just get your crypto back. So, so it wasn't a loss. But if I tip someone with gold backs, I'm out that gold back. It's never coming. And yeah. I'm really bad about tipping people gold backs and not saying anything about it. Well, and that's important because some people, if they have no clue what it is or if they don't value gold, that's why if I'm going to give somebody a gold back, I make sure, are you? Because I value this. Right. I love gold backs and I like to have as many as I can. So I don't want to waste it on some dumb server who doesn't know what gold is. So I always, you know, try to explain it. And I, I even say, listen, if you're going to throw this away, give it back to me. Or will you value this? Because it's a beautiful piece of art and it's real gold. There is a value for it. And if you're not going to spend it, at least keep it and don't lose it. So I do kind of, and I don't tip in gold backs all the time. And normally if I am using gold backs to either tip somebody or to pay for something, it's typically somebody that I know would prefer that over USD. Okay. Um, but it is a really easy way to do a form of activism and just getting the word out about goldbacks and they are so beautiful and, and everyone i've given them to whether they know what they are or not or whether they're into collecting precious metals or not 
really does enjoy them. They are absolutely beautiful. I've, I've got to go visit the Goldback Tit at some point and either I've, I've got to sell some more gold or buy some more because I've got a lot of Goldbacks over here. I've got close to an ounce worth of gold cool. in Goldbacks and I'm selling most of it because I got fined $5,000 by the U.S. government as part of the big unlicensed Bitcoin money transmission charge that I got. You know, I'm going to prison for it next week. So anyway, I got fined $5,000. On the way up here, I paid. I stopped and I paid 2500 of that as I was ordered to within 60 days of the sentencing. So anyway, I've got gold that I'm selling if for that purpose so I can pay the rest of this fine before I even go to prison. But I didn't even know that the Wyoming gold back had come out. I have the full set right now of the Utah, the Nevada, and the New Hampshire. And it's been my goal to have a full set of every state that gets released because they're beautiful pieces of artwork and it's good to have gold. Absolutely. And eventually having a, a set of each state will be an ounce of gold by itself, right? How many, what, what would that be? 20 states, I think. How, I, I, I can't do the math off the top of my head, but it's 20 a, states that already have gold backs. If 20 states had gold backs, oh, then okay. having one of each state say, would be, I yeah. think an ounce of gold or maybe it's 10. I, I don't remember. I can't. Now. Yeah. I was yeah. told there would be no math. One of the things that I intend to do when I'm in prison is write because I am by trade a writer and I just, I've gotten so used to doing talk radio. I used to do podcasts, videos, articles. I've written entire books. I've written articles and essays for libertarian publications. I used to do it all. But Free Talk Live became the most effective tool of getting my ideas out there. And so it's sort of one by one, it replaced all of them. And if I wanted to write something now, I would just do it at ariademetso.com or, you know, even at freetalklive.com. But I don't do it a whole lot because I'm instead busy doing this actual radio show that is on 180 radio stations throughout the U.S. and that is going to be heard by a lot more people than any random podcast that I used to do. I used to do a podcast called Rantings and Ravings of the Anarchist Shemel. It was a lot of fun. But anyway, I used to write and I don't have the time to do that. One of the things I want to write about is artificial intelligence because artificial intelligence, it, it could be drastically different by the time I get out of prison than what it is now. And I know that as, as a writer, as a musician, as a, as a talk show host, I will be replaced by artificial intelligence. No, not necessarily. It, it will have, why would anyone pay money to listen to me when they can have an artificial intelligence generate Arya Demetso talking about libertarianism yeah, for three hours? Because we're cooler than robots. Maybe, and that, and that may be true to some extent, but... On the whole, I think anyone who does any sort of, I always thought that creativity would be like the last bastion of humanity. Yeah. That apparently not. Yeah. AI <laughs> will never be able to generate art or music or podcasts or movies. And then this has revealed to me that, oh, indeed it will. And faster and easier and better than humans. Because I do look forward to it. I look forward to being able to say, you know, I really like Dan McClellan's uh, podcast, Data Over Dogma, but, you know, he died 15 years ago. So, AI, give me. 200 new episodes of that, and you could just generate those on the fly and play them for me. So in the end, yes, being replaced by artificial intelligence, I think, and I think that's a good thing, because it gives me time to consume the content that I enjoy, rather than having to create the content that I enjoy, because everything I do, it's content that I want to consume. I write music because it's the music that I want to hear. I make videos because they're the videos I want to watch. And eventually, I'm going to be able to just tell an artificial intelligence to generate those for me. And I don't necessarily have a problem with that, but a lot of artists do. 
Yeah, I, and I think a lot of people are more on the creator side. Like, they like creating um, more than consuming. I like doing both. I also work in a lot of service industries. So, like, healthcare. You know, I was a waitress for a long time. So, I really like to serve and to give and to create things. Um, and I think for me personally, that's a really important part about me feeling fulfilled in life. Yeah, I love reading. I, I've read like 50 books so far this year. Um, so I really enjoy consuming content as well and listening to podcasts and learning things. But I also really like creating. So for as me to I. feel fulfilled, I would need both sides of it. And I do as far as you know AI goes. I think we'll have a, a healthy dose of both. So we'll have a lot of AI content, but we'll have a lot of human-made content. And I, I think it'll all be good. But I, it's been a weird thing watching the creators, especially the artists, because AI art is the most popular of these different creativity tools. And it's been interesting watching the art, the artists try to figure out a justification for their own existence. Like one of their, one of their main talking points is, oh, well, it doesn't artificial intelligence doesn't actually create anything. It just takes all of these samples and then generates something new that's derivative of. And then I'm like, that's all humans do as well. Like everything you've ever drawn was derivative of yeah, something else. That every, is a great point. Yeah. Every other, every story you've ever written or read was derivative of someone else's story. There, there's a meme about it called the hero with a thousand faces that ultimately argues that most stories in human history are the same basic story, but you can't write a book today without having been influenced by Harry Potter and Stephen King in the same way that artificial intelligence is influenced by other art authors and artists as well. Like that's all humans do. You take input, you learn these styles and you learn these techniques of Hieronymus Bosch and, and Monet and Manet and the, and countless other artists. And then you work it and you create your own unique style. And th that's all artificial intelligence is doing. Nothing that humans do in regard to art is fundamentally different from what artificial intelligences do. Every, we're all derivative of one another. We take in these art samples and we create something new. And that's literally what artificial intelligence is doing. And I think it's really interesting when you have that mix of artificial intelligence influence, but also real human influence, like with um, the new Beatles song, how obviously, you know, the remaining members of the Beatles, which I think at this point is only Paul and Ringo. So they're in, you know, they're singing and playing instruments in the song but they also used AI to recreate, you know, using samples to recreate John Lennon's voice. That's like a really interesting blend of, you know, blending the AI and the human aspects of right, art. Because John Lennon was killed a long time. I don't know exactly how long ago, like the 70s the or the 80s, 80s think, or something. Yes. Yeah. So John Lennon was killed. And as a result of that, there's been no new Beatles music since yeah. that contained John Lennon. So artificial intelligence, among one of the countless other things that it does, it gives us a way to hear a new John Lennon song. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at freetalklive.com.